Hey there, Richmond. 2021 is here and we've got a lot to do, so it's time to find the right coffee for you. Let's get it done with new coffee choices at Dunkin'. Try the new Explorer Batch, a globally sourced blend with smoky, dark berry notes that's an adventure in every sip. Or grab a cup of Dunkin' Midnight, a richer, intensely dark roast with hints of chocolate, because bold days start with midnight. And sip into action with new extra-charged coffee that's 20% extra caffeine from green coffee extract. So head to Dunkin' or order ahead on the app for the brew that's right for you, and let's get it done. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary limited time offer. Live from Southern California, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for a new episode of Kings of the Podcast. Brought to you by MayorsManner.com and the fourth period. Introducing your host, born and raised in the city of angels, the mayor, John Hovan. And originally from the Bronx, now hailing from Encino, it's D.B. Dennis Bernstein. Buckle up, here we go! It's time for another episode of Kings of the Podcast, DB, live from Staples Center. We're back, baby. People were starving for this, John. People were begging on Twitter. Like, where have you guys been? Well, as we promised you, it's not going to be after every game. I think perfect time to do it, John. Five games in, a lot to talk about, so uh, why don't you kick it off for us? Well, I think we're going to have to reevaluate, though, DB, because with the emotional roller coaster that the Kings <laughs> are taking their fans on, yeah. uh, and we're going to get into this throughout the show, it might be time to do this as uh, you know some sort of a therapeutic King's rehab. Game. Yeah, King's we can do we can do a segment of King's rehab. Just talk you down from the tree when you have those eight two games in Vancouver tonight against Vegas. Yes, uh, but we'll do King's rehab uh, consistently through the season because, as you say, John, they're going to need it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we have another three periods of hockey talk lined up for you and uh, DB tonight. Yeah. First and third largely going to be centered around the LA Kings. We're going to take a couple laps around the NHL in general during our second period, but let's just kick things off. We did a segment a few shows back. People liked it a lot. We're going to yep, bring it back bring tonight. It back. Goals for, goals against. We'll each give three goals for, in total, I'm sorry, we'll do three goals for and three goals against. Yep. Uh, I, I'm ready to go here with the goals for and the goals Start against. Start it off, Jay. So goals for, I'm going to go with Todd McClellan. I just think that this guy has been such a breath of fresh air, not only for the media and for what we're trying to accomplish and getting our questions answered, but... Yeah. Every single player is just over the top. They're they gushing. love this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to see some Todd McClellan. You know, I love Todd tattoos on this team pretty soon. Everybody likes this guy. He's uh, he's just been phenomenal for the team so you, far. You know, John, we're both season ticket holders, and tonight I sat in my uh, I sat at ice level for the first period. This team's approach, uh, approach to the ice, shot mentality is a hundred and eight. Like, where is the where was this team hiding? So when you talk about the teams and the players do have to go, and we talk, we'll talk about that all season, that this will not be the same roster in the season. Just the approach to the game is so drastically different from the from the team. And we're only five games in, and I know that it can be it can be worn away with losses and tough nights. Like tonight was kind of a tough night. Well, it wasn't kind. It was a tough night defensively. But I just think the mindset to this team is just so drastically different. Again, I think we've harped on this a lot, John, but right coach at the right time. Exactly. He injected life into this team. Um, you could see the try. You can see the willingness. He's willing to give younger players a shot, which we'll also dive into later in the season. But I, I couldn't agree with you uh, more on Tom McClellan, right guy, right time. My first goal for is uh, Michael Amadio, like making a big, strong bid here. And look, he may not be the 2C of the future. Right. But for right now in the present, he's probably their 2C. He's been great offensively. 
um, not the fastest guy in the world. I asked Todd about that after the Nashville game, and he said, look, I don't want to draw comparisons, but he drew one anyway to Joe Pavelski, a very smart player who knows how to play positionally, uh, is not the fleetest of foot. Um, if he can be a half of what Joe Pavelski is, we'll take it. Uh, but I just think that Amadio finally – and, you know, we talked about, you know, one of my buddies – Scouts for the Islanders. I remember three years ago, I think we were at the Ontario game, and he loved the money who gushed about him. You said, yeah, this this kid has potentials. He's leaving up to it. He's got the size. He's got some skill. He's never going to be the fastest skater on the ice. But a big uh, goal for for Michael Amadio and his production in the fir- first five games of the season. It's funny that you reference Amadio's play with the Ontario Reign because, interestingly enough, just last night I was talking with somebody at the Reign game. Yeah. I did a double duty. I, I flew That's out to right. Ontario <laughs> after, in the car, baby. after opening night here. And uh, we were talking about Amadio, and I was saying how, you know, he never was at the top of our uh, uh, prospect rankings on Mayor's Manor, but that he right. was more near the middle. But he really was a phenomenal player in Ontario and how disappointing it was when he first came up to the LA Kings that his game didn't translate well to the NHL. And, you know, we had to start to wonder, is this a player that's just not really fit for the National Hockey League, but would be a perfectly fine American League player for, you know, more than a decade? And then all of a sudden, you've seen over the last year dramatic changes in his game. And I know management was really high on him towards the end of last year. Yeah. We even didn't include him in the uh, Mayor's Manor prospect rankings right. where he normally would have been right. based upon age and games played. Yes, However, agreed. management basically all but said, this guy's going to be on the NHL roster next year. There were questions last year about was he a center, was he a wing. Right. They tried him a little bit in both different positions. But I would have to agree with you, and he was on my list of, of goals for as well. <laughs> I just think that from, for the first part of the season here, He's been their best forward on, yeah. if you look at the body of work over five games. Yeah. Uh, my, my other goal for, uh, to, to round out the goal four segment is going to be on the defensive side of things. I think Sean Walker has been – everything that Amadio has been to the offense, Sean Walker has been to the defense. I think he was a little bit shaky in the first game, but since then he was yeah. not only putting up points but has been producing – um, and now he's playing on that second pairing with yeah. with Alec Martinez. And uh, you have to wonder if he's maybe sort of solidified that, that second pairing that the Kings have so desperately tried to fill. Everybody knows who's on the top pairing. Dowdy and, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever uh, bag of right potatoes now. that he's going to drag around the ice for 28 <laughs> minutes a night. Ben's not a shortstop for the Dodgers based on that one play tonight, John. Didn't glove that puck. And well, he can Mark manage Stone the Dodgers certainly on. better than Dave Roberts, but uh, we might have to save that for the well, fourth period. Well, somebody asked me about... Someone, I got direct message on Twitter tonight about the Sean Walker. Um, I, I think truly when the team solidifies and your talent comes up from Ontario and you've talked about uh, the depth of talent on the blue line in Ontario, I think if he fits in this team as a five, six, seven player. Yeah, he, would be, a real, th- he would be a third-pairing guy going absolutely, forward. Yeah. He'd be a second-pairing guy this year. Yeah, right now, for the moment. For correct. some of those other players, younger yeah. players to marry. But he, he's quit himself well, and you know... Um, uh, a kid who came out of nowhere, he's got speed. He'll certainly need support defensively when he go journeys up the ice, but I agree with you. I think Sean Walker has been a, uh, you know, a, produc- a productive offensive player for this team. Uh, I just think long-term, long-trend, yeah. But I think right now, he's your top four guy, and that probably addresses some of the issues that the, the team has defensively. Well, Rob Blake is certainly going to take exception to one of your comments there. He came out of nowhere. No, he came out of Bowling Green, which just so happens to be <laughs> the same place where Rob Blake nowhere, went to college. Okay, have you been to Bowling right. Green? <laughs> it's nowhere. <laughs> several several um, guys have come through yeah. the system of late. And uh, when we talk about the prospects a little bit later on in the show, we'll talk about college guys, including Alex Turcott. But let's stay within the goals for and goals against. We've tackled three on the goals for side. Sure. Goals against, DB, uh, I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the puck, and I'm going to go with Matt Roy. Yeah. I think that uh, he has had a real tough start to the season. This is a player that I like. Um, he's solid defensively. Uh, the coach in Ontario has had a lot of good things to say about him, uh, you know, over the last 13 to 15 months yep. um, that he's been, you know, part of the organization. 
Uh, Matt Roy certainly played well enough last year to earn a call-up and, and, you know, got into some games here last year, but it just has not looked good. Didn't look good in the first game. You wanted him to sit tonight, didn't you? I did want. I was actually yeah. surprised, and I think that uh, McDermott might be a little bit more banged up than perhaps they're letting on, sure. um, or they could have been concerned about his foot speed given, you know, the, the foot speed on the other side of the puck with Vegas and how quick and fast yeah. they are. Yeah. But I would have I liked to have seen Matt Roy, all things considered, sit out tonight's game. I, I don't think that, you know, it's you need to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but just sort of... Pump the brakes a little bit. Calm down. Let him watch and let him see. He'll be fine. He's still a young player, but again, a co- former college player trying right. to adjust at the NHL level. Well, it's very difficult. Here's my question to you, Jay. Like, the way the defense is presently constituted, who's the best partner for him? Or is there one? And that's, I think, part of the issue. So yeah. you look at McClellan, and McClellan all but said, I'm somewhat paraphrasing, so maybe he'll take exception to this, but he didn't think that, that who we had paired him with early on was, was working well, and he seemed to like him better with Ryan. We'll see how that sticks around. I, I, I don't get particularly excited about a Ryan-Roy third pairing, but maybe just... You given, shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, but given what they have right now, because I, you know, I, somebody last night was already asking me how long until Mikey Anderson gets called up. Um, well, hopefully at least 20 games. Like, yeah, let's yeah. be real. Let's here. be let's, real. Absolutely. <laughs> Patience, fans. Yeah, please. I mean, uh, you know, they could lose the, the Kings could lose the next five games in a row, and I don't want to see Mikey Anderson no, called up to the yet. NHL. So, please. unfortunately for right now, given Derek Forbert's injury situation and the fact that he's not expected back right. anytime soon, there really wouldn't be a lot of other options. I mean, you could call up Paul Ledoux, but that doesn't fix what you need on the no. third pairing. And, John, it's not even the players. The, the coach has to get his feet under him as well. We're yeah. five games into this process, right? So Dodd is not going to make wholesale changes at this point in time. You see, and I'm sure you'll touch on this, Bjornfoot is, is out of the mix. I think more and more it looks like he's going to go back to Sweden after getting a taste here. But uh, I, I couldn't agree with well, you I'm more. I'm going to tease you thing. for a little bit later. Maybe, maybe. but maybe not. So, hey. so let's get into okay. the Bjornfoot thing here. Uh, after we get out of goals for and goals against, so okay. I, I've, I've lobbied up young Matt Roy. What do you have for your second goal against here? Well, one of my whipping boys. I want Adrian Kempe off the first unit power play. Um, I know he's a left shot, and I know um, Kovalchuk's a right shot, but Kovalchuk is such an exceptional passer. Like, to have Kempe, and he was on the short wall tonight, he's been on the blue line, it just doesn't do it for me, and it takes away from the rest. The other four are the top line. The Kopitar line and Dowdy have been fantastic. They, they need to go some. They, they need to look at another option. If it's Jeff Carter, if it's somebody else, it's just not doing enough for me. And I know I've harped on this player a lot, and you know I'm, he's kind of my whipping boy at some point in time. But I don't. He doesn't fit with the rest of those four players. So I'd like mm-hmm. to see Todd make one change on the power play, take Kempe off there. I'd go to Kovalchuk and let him set him up for that one timer. And yes, there will be some deficiency defensively to have him out there. But uh, you know the way this team has been aggressive all, se- all season, five games in, all season, DD, I, all season. <laughs> I, I want him to be more aggressive on the power play. I want Kempe out of there. I want another option to look at at least in the next five games. Well, DB, what do you want? You, you said Kovalchuk's a great passer. So you want him to pass the puck, or you want him to set up for the one timer? Both. Both. I, I, he, I he's got exceptional. I knew what was Some. Some of the passes he's made since he's been here have been exceptional. And I think he gives the same thing if you get some time and space on the power play. And, and you know, it depends on the team, depends on the opponent, depends on the, the, the situation, but I, it's just not working for me. I, I want a guy who is an, a, a far better offensive player on the first unit power play. Just to stick on Kovalchuk for a moment, one yeah. of the great things that, that you know, we've talked about this before about hockey is that it, it's so different than any other sport because so much of the action doesn't take place where the puck or the, you know, the ball or whatever right. when he's sporting away from at. the play. It takes away from the play, right. And so tonight I elbowed you in the ribs at one point and was pointing at Kovalchuk, and he was feisty down there tonight. Yeah. And I thought he was going to maybe even drop the gloves. I mean, they were going at it yeah, for, going for with an Nick extended Hague. period yep. of time. 
I don't recall seeing that type of feistiness out of Kovalchuk at any point last year. Do you remember? I mean, obviously, I didn't remember seeing him play much in no. the second half either, no. but I just don't remember seeing him that feisty. Let's go back to the nickname that everybody loves, the Todd Father. He's just energized everybody, and, and you're going to have to play hard for this coach or you're not going to get the time. I, I think it's certainly a meritocracy at this point, John, and I think that, that Todd has set a signal in the media and probably privately, if you're not going to complete and play hard and give everything you can, make some effort on shift, you're not going to get the time. And the only way Kovalchuk's going to be able to score is by making that effort. So, yeah, I, I don't – John, let's be honest. Nobody gave that type of effort last season. Yeah, and nobody no, did. No, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm not, Once John Stevens was gone, no, no, not at all. But this, I mean, I guess, other than Kyle Clifford, I don't think anybody no, yes. gave effort on a consistent basis last year. <laughs> exactly. It's just the mindset's so drastically yeah, different, it, yeah. and it just trickles down. At what point, DB, can we stop talking about last year? Because it, it just needs to be erased from everybody's brain. It, it, it's non-existent. It's a fair point, John. It's, a, it's, it's just a 12-month... It's just that it's such... Yeah. It's not even, John. <laughs> I said it's 180 degrees on Twitter. It's 270 degrees difference. That's, so, that's how so drastic it's, it's it is. It's like a U-turn and then turned into a yeah, left. Yeah, and more. Some, yeah, exactly. More than that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's crazy. When, you see, when you're at ISLAB, you see these guys give a shit. That's right. what happens out there. Well, DB, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna potentially get lit up uh, for my Uh-oh. final goal against tonight, but I have to put it out there. I, I'm I'm giving a goal against to the fans of the LA Kings, and here's my really I, I am DB. Uh-oh. Take cover. You, yeah, I don't I don't I'm I'm at the point of really telling you that I've just about had it. Really, I mean, we have we have waxed on and on on Twitter, on radio interviews, and, and on our on our own podcast. I mean, everywhere that people can can get the information, okay. it has been there since December of last year. Okay, about what the Kings' plan is, what they're trying to accomplish, what they need to do, which players you know are. You've been the lead dog on I it, mean, John. I've, we, it's, I've tried to lay it out there as many times as yes. possible, and people still still are holding on to the fact that this might be a playoff team. No, and what's wrong with the coach, and what's wrong no. with the players, and get this guy out of here and. Send Jonathan Quick to the minors. The whole disrespect to me to Jonathan Quick is probably the thing that's putting me over the edge. Um, I, I just I don't think that it's warranted. I think that you can you can talk constructively about a player, and there's quite a bit to talk about with Jonathan Quick. Yes, you can so unpack I'm, a lot I'm, of stuff. So I'm gonna maybe transition off of my rant. Uh, about these people that, that want to hit me up on Twitter after every game. I didn't even look at Twitter at the end of the tonight's game just because really? it was so ridiculous. With It's the highs and the lows, DB. And we talked about this. It was probably in the first or second episode of Kings of the Podcast. And yeah. I said at the time, I said that winning is going to be the best <laughs> thing for this franchise this year, and it's going to be the worst thing for this franchise this year. You have to year. buckle up and if you're a fan. losing is going to be the yeah. best thing for the franchise yes. and the worst thing for the franchise. So right. somebody might be asking, well, how does any of that make any sense? Well, I'm going to re-explain it to the people that had it re-explained. If the team is winning in the early part of the season, that's great for the franchise, great for the fan base, excuse me, great for the fan base because they went through so much drama last year. They're scarred, they're wounded, they're hurt, and they they, they need some wins, no pun intended, but they need that sort of emotional lift. So the wins are great. Yes. At the same time, the wins are bad for the franchise because this team does not plan on making the playoffs this year. This team plans on getting a top right. five draft pick. Nor to- should they be in ninth place. It's That's the, the worst, worst, place possible poss- thing. worst place possible for them to be is anywhere in that 9 through 12 range when they're picking in the middle, right? So right. I said this a million times, you either want to be you know, competitive and challenging for a Stanley Cup or you want to be really bad. You either want to be really good in the NHL or you want to be really bad. And the Kings right now need to be really bad. And you can go back to the lineage you... All the way back to the Chicago Blackhawks when they were drawing 6,000 people at the UC. And they weren't on TV. And they weren't on TV. Mm -hmm. And they 
they drafted twice, the first overall pick and the third overall pick, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. And by the way, on the on the road to those picking those guys, they also got Seabrook and Keith and Bufflin. That's how you do it. Um, and look, we've said this before as well. This was a great draft. As you said before, they need another great draft. So get excited. And, and it's about it's about the effort. It's about the try. It's about the willingness. It's about you can see this as a coach. Coaching matters. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't think that coaching matters, and I know people are hoping on well, Todd Todd's teams have underachieved. Like stop it. I don't care about. <laughs> yeah. Daryl Sutter never won a Stanley Cup until he came to Los Angeles. It's ridiculous. And now people want to build a statue for the guy out in front of the building. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Very Todd. few people win Stanley Cups. It doesn't matter what Todd did in San Jose or Edmonton. It matters what he does here. Mm-hmm. He's a he's more than competent coach. He's putting in systems. And even Dustin Brown said it after the, the national game. We're still learning the system, how to read the system, how to make reads in the system. You're five games in. So it, it's... You have to really understand where this team is in the development curve, like it would, like with a player. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. They are at the beginning of their development curve. Two or three seasons from now, if everybody flourishes, they are going to be a contending team. But this season, cherish the wins, hold them close to your heart, but understand that those eight-two games against Vancouver—that's not the last time it's going to happen this season. Mm-hmm. So back to the whole thing about it. So I explained why winning quick. is the best and worst. So losing is the best thing for the franchise because it gets them closer to that top five pick. Agreed. Losing is the worst thing for the franchise or fan base at this particular point because it just really seems to unnerve and unsettle and really get <laughs> under the skin of so many fans. Guys, they're going to lose a lot of games this year. Yeah. And, you know, back to something you just mentioned a moment ago, Kopitar talked about it right now in the locker room moments before I came up to, to record this podcast with you, DB. He said, hey, we're five games in. We're still thinking when we're out on the ice, and we need to just basically be reacting. And it's going to take a couple, right. couple more times, couple weeks, you know, to sort of get to that. He said effort is the one thing that we can control on a nightly basis, and he's Amen. liked the effort of every single game that they've been How in. How could you not like the effort? So, Even in Vancouver, I mean, that that was an anomaly, but yeah, the the, the trying willingness is there. They, they're buying. Here's the thing: they bought in. This team has bought in from player one to player twenty three. Absolutely. Um, so again. Now, you want to touch on quick? I do want to touch on quick because of this. I've been getting into a little bit more of uh, the analytics and stuff, you know, uh, yeah. over the last month or two and just sort of trying to take a look at players from a different perspective. And I think that that's important, especially as you get to some of these players that are older. Sure. The underlying statistics on quick are not as good. We talked about Toffoli in one of the previous episodes yep. and how if he goes to the paint and there has been some puck luck involved and that his expected goals are higher than what he's actually produced. And so basically what the, what the analytics will tell you to break it down for a dummy is that if you with Toffoli, if he, if he did everything this year that he did exactly what he did last year, in other words, if he took the exact same number of shots, I think it was a 306 somewhere in that range. If he took the exact same number of shots from the exact same places on the ice, um, and every type of shot was the same shot, yeah. he would score about 10 more goals than what right, he would have about 23, yeah, 24 yeah, goals, exactly. correct. So yeah. that's basically what it says. When you look at Jonathan Quick, the frustrating part coming into this weekend here was that his expected goals should have been at five, mm-hmm. and he was at around 14. So he had given up way more goals yeah. than what you would expect if you were to replicate that over and over again. Now, granted, it's a small sample size. Analytic community one will tell you that. But you have to be concerned with Quick. So I did do some digging around on Jonathan Quick. I talked okay. to several people in, in hockey management circles about what's going on. Give me your take. What's the deal with Quick? And I, came, I, I found out a couple of things to share here. One is that it appears that he has not necessarily made some of the adjustments that other 
elite goaltenders have made as they've aged. Guys like Marty Brodeur, guys like Carey Price, uh, guys like Henrik Lundqvist. The other guy at the end of the ice tonight, tonight Marc-Andre Fleury. Marc-Andre Fleury. With Quick specifically, potentially there's a thing going on with him being a little bit too crouched over. And he's played that way. And when he was throughout his career, when he was more athletic, he could compensate for that. Right. But now with injury and age, which is normal, it's not a criticism of quick. It's just normal for every goaltender. It's a fact of life. It's a fact of life. It's happening to all of us, DB, (laughs) you and I included. That's right. Um, As that has happened, they want him to stand up a little bit more and, and, and be a little more erect, make himself a little bit bigger. Okay. They've also tried to make some changes around the way he plays the puck around the post and some different things. Okay. It's difficult to get very specific because, you know, no one's going to give me the exact trade secrets, but right. I'm, I'm giving you what, like I've stealing been able to, in baseball. what I've been able to call from, from talking to different, uh, different sources. Right. Apparently, they've worked on some of this stuff with Quick, and, and it, it's been challenging to get him to sort of buy in on a consistent basis and really? do this. And it appears also that frustration is what has reverted him back. So what ends up happening is this. They practice it. He works with the coaching staff. They, they practice it. They, 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 they get him bought in. He implements them for a couple mm-hmm. of games, a couple of weeks, whatever stretch of time it is. Right. And then when things sort of go wrong, as he, he reverts becomes frustrated, back. he starts to revert back, which sure. is also natural. So um, nobody has suggested this, but I have a question. Would a sports psychologist perhaps help somebody like him? And the reason that I came up with this is that Blake talked about um, this was the big state of the franchise or somewhere where we talked to Rob uh, early in the season or late in the summer. And he was talking about the fact that they're going to be expanding um, mm-hmm. more the mental health and mental wellness and all this sort of stuff and how he feels that that is necessary right. for, for players. And I'm just wondering if a sports psychologist could perhaps help him. Uh, you know, I don't know this as a fact. I'm speculating yeah. here. But has he gotten over the, how great he was in 2012 and 2014 right. and that he can't do that now? Can they do a two-for-one with him and Gabe Velarde? <laughs> we could do a whole show on Gabe Velarde. I just want to sort of stick to Jonathan Quick. and, and um, Well, here's the issue with Quick. They're two and three, and he owns the three. And But the flip side of that is, if you look at um, Jack Campbell's numbers, Jack Campbell could be 0-3, right? I mean, he's, his goals against is, what, over four, and his eight his save percentage is 885. Right, so it's also a function of the guys who play in front of him. Well, and, and McClellan talked about it tonight in the post-game press conference and said that this game against Las Vegas, he felt was Quick's best game of the year. Um, he really? said he made some spectacular saves tonight. He thought that the guys in front of him needed to be a little bit better. And Todd also picked on the PK a little bit and called it horrendous or something, something yeah. along those lines. Um, and they were they were hemmed in for what seemed like nine minutes at one point, and Vegas is just moving the puck. And, and Stasny dominated the slot. Yeah, so could uh, move him out. If the defense in front of Quick and in front of Campbell w- was any better, then that's obviously going to help those guys. But Jonathan Quick is at the point in his career where he needs to make some adjustments. And I have faith and confidence in a guy with his talent level and a coach of Todd's ilk that they're going to get to the bottom of this and get this fixed. Twenty games in, it, give them till the give them till Thanksgiving. U.S. Thanksgiving, if we still see this performance, and fine. And fans, like, on my Twitter feed, they're throwing him under the bus. I'm like, well, the other goalie, his stats are on Sterling. He won the two games, granted, but like, it's a function. It's all because you mentioned the dynamics of the sport. Mm-hmm. It's not just the goalie. It's like the goalie gets too much credit when they win and, and too much when they lose. It's like a quarterback in football. And Todd mentioned that. He, he said that basically the quarterback and the starting pitcher, they get too yeah. much credit, and then it works the other way against them as yeah, well. Yeah, you know, it'd so. be nice if, if Sean Walker defended better against uh, Stasny in the slot on the pe- penalty kill, and they got to fix the penalty kill. It doesn't matter who's in net at this point in time. They're getting close in chances, and it's been it's not been good, but that's going to be, again, this roller coaster one. Fans, please buckle up. <laughs> buckle I, up. I think one of the other uh, interesting posts game comments from McClellan was he was asked about the rotation here over the, the, the next couple of games, the remainder of the homestand, and he was non-committal 
Um, with, I mean, he's a head coach in the NHL. Did you really expect him to tell no. you who the starting goaltender was going to no. be three days from now? No. Or two days from now? Probably not. But no. uh, that part was interesting. Let, let's move on and talk a little bit about the rest of the team, DB, here as we wrap up the first period. Sure. Um, and McClellan weighs in on this as well. Line combinations. You and I had texted back and forth and had talked during the road the road. Uh, Opening road trip. Yeah, the road trip. Thank you, the road trip. I was going to say the road stand. and You don't have a road stand. It's a home stand and a road trip. <laughs> a little tongue-tied there. Last stand. We did, <laughs> we did not like the line of Kovalchuk, Kempe, and Carter. And, yes, you didn't like any line that Kempe is on. But Todd said that they had to deconstruct that line. They did. I thought it was a great word in a press they, conference. They did. They had to deconstruct that line. Um, they, they've sort of have rebuilt the, the, the other three lines. Um, we talked earlier about Amadio. We talked a little bit about Kovalchuk. Uh, Jeff Carter. He could have had two goals tonight. Yeah, uh, Mark Andre Fleury with the great pad fantastic. save on one, fantastic, right? Uh, yep. Carter could have had two goals tonight, though. Have you liked what you've seen from Jeff Carter in the opening five games? As long as he stays on the wing, John, I'm happy. I mean, I think the goals are going to come. Maybe not in the bushels that we expect. And your great hashtag, all he does is score. I'm not certainly going to revive it too much this season, but he's giving enough effort. You know, it's, it's you know, last season I would get texts from broadcasters and scouts like. What is that guy doing out there? He seems to be engaged. He has still has you could still John. He still has the, some of the tools. Mm-hmm. They haven't totally evaporated. He hasn't lost all his tools. He can he can still come off the wing and be dangerous. It was a great two on one with Lazat, and he, he should have got rewarded for that. He didn't. I, I see the engagement. I still think he has the talent. If he can get his wrist shot loose, if they can shake him loose here, so I have no problem with Jeff Carter so far this season. Yeah, I was not impressed with the first three games, and I'm wondering now if that may have been more of a function of the line the combination, itself, yeah. Because I actually liked Carter's game and uh, opening game here against Nashville. When, yeah. And I liked his game again today. I think that there's something to work with there and something to build off that of. Team, that, that line was never set up to win. There's no chemistry there. There's no connection there. And again, having Kempe in the middle, I just it's just he's not a distributor. There's a lot of things that... There's flaws in his games. I don't know how Tom rectifies that other than you know maybe not putting the pressure on the kid. Well, I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure how he rectifies it either because uh, you talk about lines that don't have combina- uh, chemistry. Yeah. I don't see how a Clifford-Kempe-Wagner line makes any sense either. But, I mean, you know, it's the fourth line, so let's not make too big of a deal out of it. Right. Uh, on the defensive side of things, again, back to the analytics, something yeah. real quickly here, DB. Sure. I don't know if you're aware of this, but... Uh, through the first three games, Dowdy and Bjornfoot yeah. were the worst defensive pairing <laughs> on the team. It's odd. When you looked at it, uh, Walker, who had been with Hutton, right. was the best combination from an analytics perspective, and Dowdy and Bjornfoot weren't even close. Like, they were horrifically bad. Really? Yeah. And so it's not surprising that that uh, you would start to see Bjornfoot be used less, and then, and then yeah. Todd mixed up the pairs coming home for that first game. It's going to be very interesting to see when Bjornfoot gets into the lineup again. You had mentioned earlier that most likely he's going back to Sweden. Remember on one of the previous podcasts yeah. also, I said, keep an eye on how he's used over these first five games, and that should be very telling. Right. Um, as, as they a, sheltered him. Yeah, I get it. As a possible tell of what they would do. Todd did say tonight after the game that you want young players to be playing. He said that repeatedly, and he said we're going to have to do what's best for Bjornfoot's future uh, as his career as well as what's best for the L.A. Kings organization. So that was a little bit interesting. Mm-hmm. I did mention in passing on a previous episode another possible scenario that would include him not going back to Sweden. So option one, I think, is for him to potentially get a couple more games. I just don't know when you do it because Carolina's good. Yep. Buffalo's been good. Uh, but anyway, you sneak him into the lineup for a couple more games, then you send him back to Sweden. Here's option number two, though. You could stretch this thing out where instead of him playing 10 games in 10 or 12 of the first of the season, yep. he could actually get his nine games in like over the first 25 games right. perhaps. 
Then you could send him down to the American League for a couple weeks stint, mm-hmm. which leads you now, if you calendared this out properly, could lead you into the World Junior yeah, uh, World Junior Championships where you would be expected yeah. to play for Team Sweden. Let him play big minutes for Team Sweden. Yep. You'd want him playing in Ontario to get him ready. Call it a conditioning assignment if you want, but you really don't have to send him on a conditioning assignment because he is eligible to go down there. He wasn't drafted out of a, a, a Canadian Junior League, so right. he can go to the American League. Um, and, and, and then after that, you send him to Sweden for the second half of the season. The concern is that his team back in Sweden is actually playing really well, and historically... <laughs> that team wouldn't give at such a young player big minutes. Right. So they don't it's, want to not like it. he's, it's not like sending a junior kid back where when you send Akil Thomas back to Niagara, he's going to be the star of the team. Right. Bjornfoot, if he ends up on the second or third pairing and isn't getting a lot of minutes. That's no benefit. Exactly. Yeah. That's my no point. Benefit, yeah. So you can put a little bit of pressure, if you will, uh, by the longer you, pro, you, you drag this out, yeah. then you're kind of sending a message back to, uh, to Sweden and saying, hey, if we're going to send this kid back, you need him to play big minutes. So. Yeah. Something to keep an eye on there. Um, what about defensive uh, forwards? We had yeah. talked on a previous episode about, I floated the idea about Kopitar perhaps being not so involved in the penalty kill and mm-hmm. saving some of that energy. And ironically, you know what Todd was talking about in the post game tonight? Not he was talking about how much it zaps the energy of offensive players when they're playing so heavily on the PK. I don't think he was about to say, so we're going to pull Kopitar off the PK, but um, it certainly lined up with some of our earlier thinking. What about defensively? uh, And and here's the thing. We've talked about Quick and his struggles and the defense, which is really you have some some placeholders maybe for the future. Here's the issue with this team defensively, which is a big issue which really nobody has addressed. They don't have a stopper line, John. They they don't. Like in a big spot with two minutes to go, Kopitar is going to be out there with Brown and – and I follow. They don't have underneath those three guys. They have no. You're going to kill Lewis. Yeah, no, it's not the guy. <laughs> they don't have a stopper line. They don't have a, a solid defensive line that you could throw out there with 90 seconds uh, to win uh, in the game to play defense mm-hmm. and win a game other than the Kopitar line. And if you do that, then Kopitar's going to play 24 minutes a night for a losing. It's 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 totally it, it, that's trending in the wrong direction. To me, that's the issue. I'm like going, who's going to win a face off? And look, Blake Lazat in Vancouver was 11 for 13. Uh, on the in a faceoff circle, the but they don't have that. that and maybe you don't need it in this league, but you need a little bit more than just utilizing Brown and Kopitar and Ifall in all the big spots. Mm-hmm. That's gonna you can get away with it in the first seven games of the season, John. You can't get away with it for eighty-two games, and that's my concern: is that how, who's going to play defense? Who's going to be the stopper line on this team other than the big boys? And and you're just going to kill them if you're going to do that yeah. this season. Uh, Wagner, if I remember correctly, was used on the PK uh, at certain times last year. You know, and if I, I for some reason I have a, a shorthanded goal uh, in, in memory. Of, um, yeah. But so there's an opportunity there. I don't know if that's really his his game though. He's more of a speedster. And, and I think it just addresses the issues at center they still have. Is that he, if Michael Amadio, as we talked about, is your number two C, who's who's filling up behind him? You know, this team they played tonight. Paul Schneider their three C. Well, Anderson Dolan, once he gets up yes. to the National Hockey League level. You know, he is a guy who is yeah. d- defensively responsible and can, can yeah. play more of those minutes. But I just, again, what we were talking about earlier, letting those players marinate a little bit in, in Ontario. You have to, John. I Big don't picture. see Anderson Dolan coming up anytime soon, especially, look, if Lazat wasn't playing well, then you have an argument to get Anderson Dolan up yep. here. But the way that Lazat is playing, the Lizard. The Lizard's been great, bro. <laughs> lizard, God, Todd Father, we got all the nicknames on this podcast. DB, the first period has come to an end. We'll be back. We'll talk about the National Hockey League as a whole.
Second period, more kings of the podcast. Dennis, that was very That was a 30-minute first period, very, Well, uh, Dave Joseph kept yelling at us that the first period was expiring <laughs> in one minute, and um, I think we just ran right over him. But, look, uh, in, in the second period here, let's take some laps around the NHL. Sure. Um, some funny stuff to talk about. But first, something very serious. The demise of the San Jose Sharks. Has it been greatly exaggerated? Uh, I, I have a couple of thoughts here, and sure. one is I just don't like the signing at this point of Patrick Marlowe. I think if you're going to sign him, you do it in the summer. You mm -hmm. knew that he was available. You knew he wanted to come back and play for the Sharks. It just felt a little bit panicked, and I don't like talking about Doug Wilson that way because he's just such a, G a GM that you know uh, deserves so much respect. Yeah. Stability, yeah, long-term play there. Long, long, well, I mean, I didn't like the Carlson signing either, so I guess he's You're not been the in only my crosshairs one. over the last couple of well, months. I just don't like the signing at this point. Well, they had to, John, because they, they, a couple of things. Like, they, they definitely overloaded on the blue line here. They spent a lot of money on the blue line, and they have a lot of, a lot of depth there and a lot of money on the blue line. The issue is in San Jose is that the internal, you know, you let Joe Pavelski go, you let Donskoy go, which wasn't a big loss, but the internal solutions they had were not working. The younger players, the the people in their system, did not did not and not Dude, for nothing. It had only been a couple of games. I know, I mean, but Meyer wasn't producing, and Hurdle wasn't. It, Couture was playing well. They missed Kane for things. They they needed stability in that room too. You know, it, with all the great players they had, they needed another help, another help here because because when Joe Pavelski left, Mayor. He left with 37 goals, but he left with leadership. He's yeah, the and CIA. the leadership that has been the ongoing issue for a decade in that room, yep. right, about just sort of who who's the leadership group and do they have the right guys in leadership positions. They've been an extremely talented team. Here's the thing, John. Uh, you can criticize the signing, but it's a two-way deal, and he's making 700 k and he scored two goals in the first game, and they won. So I think that they, they just needed that boost. I, I think is I, I get your point about not you bring him back when you – Start the season, I maybe then go zero and four. Message to the young players. That's yeah, what totally is. does. If you're trying to, if you're trying to give confidence to those young players, and you're telling them that you need them, then you need the next wave of San Jose, San Jose Sharks young players to replace the exiting players like the Joe Pavelskis and whatnot. Yeah. Then you need to give them time to work out of it, not push the panic button three games into the season. Well, when you're zero and four, you push the panic button. You yeah. sign Patrick Marlowe for seven hundred k. I just don't like it. I, I don't. I don't like it. Look, uh, they won tonight, so yep. you know. I, I guess they're two and four. So I guess. Maybe Maybe the move is working. We'll have to see how They're it goes. They're 2-0 with Patrick Marlowe. Let's All right. Go. Sticking with some other Pacific Division headlines. Here's something interesting, yeah. DB. All this talk about James Neal and, you know, he scored 87 goals so far <laughs> and, you know, and he's going to break Gretzky's records and all this <laughs> stuff. You know, I love when a trade goes down yeah. and there are some interesting conditions placed upon a trade. Right. And, you know, normally it's like, okay, if this team gets to the second round of the playoffs or whatever. The and pick seen, moves up. Yeah. We've seen GMs get more and more creative with their conditions over the last Thank couple the of Lord. years, right? Like <laughs> if a guy makes it, to, or if the team makes it to the second round, but then if this particular player plays X number of games in the postseason, how about this one? The conditions on this trade for, I guess, a third round pick or whatever, basically James Neal has to score 21 or more goals because he has to score over 20 goals. Right. And Lucic has to score 10 fewer goals. So you're actually <laughs> you net net goals. Yeah, you're you're actually tracking the goals, the goal production from both players. Both That's it's fantastic. It's not just about how many James Neal. Does I didn't know score. that. It's about how many goals Lucic doesn't score. <laughs> uh, so this is just a fantastic it, trade. It's condition. fantastic. I applaud the general and managers. It, and it's funny it. because I want more creativity in the NHL. Oh, uh, John, please! I've been starving for that. So every every trade deadline, we can talk about that, and every every draft table, we can talk about the lack of trades. But the thing with Neal, he's never not scored less than 21 goals in every stop. So it's not, except for Calgary, 
and I, I said it on, on our SiriusXM show on Saturday. I'm like, so now I've got a question how he was utilized in Calgary. And people say, well, he's a support. I'm like, yeah, I get it. He's a support player. Um, he had some talented players around him, and now he's lighting it up. In like, like When they traded for Elias Lindholm, why are you sending John uh, James Neal and putting him on the third line? Like They blew that, right, because that's a protective player. And John, he didn't reinvent the wheel in the first six games in Edmonton. He's doing exactly what he does. Against the Kings, he went to the net, got a rebound on a power play, a wrist shot um, against the Rangers, scored a goal. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to do, what he's done all his career. So Calgary blew it, and, but that is a very interesting uh, Can he get along with his teammates long enough to stick around the whole year, uh, though? I don't know. He scores goals in big spots, man. He does I, score goals. I mean, and for a team that needs goals, because when yeah. you get past McDavid and when you get past <laughs> Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl, who, you know, I, I, I'm i a big Dreisaitl guy. Um, yeah, and I just, it, it, there's a whole undefeated, John. Right Come there. on now. Is, is Dave Tippett going to keep them together? Is he going to break them up? What's he going to do? He said he was going to keep them apart, and then he instantly put them back together again because, of course, the temptation is too great. But but they have a system there, and they have a they have a better coach, apparently. So we'll, well they do have a better coach. I'll give them that. And they have James Neal. If you get, look at the underlying analytics though db don't laugh when i say that but if you look at the underlying analytics well, neil, analytics neil is here, way off the chart compared to his expected oh yeah goals. yeah no so no he i know he is going to come back down to earth he's not Either scoring that, 60 he's break no. everyone of gretzky's records and <laughs> ryan smith is going to cry in edmonton so uh <laughs> let's let's move right always along. always with a zinger for ryan well, smith ryan, always. I mean, hey you know what more power to the guy i mean you know uh, <laughs> safety in manhattan beach db it's uh it's you know the rough and tumble John's streets of like Manhattan a, Beach. John's like a pit bull with hey, when it comes to Ryan Smith. It all worked out for Ryan Smith though, didn't it? It he, did, he, sure, he sure trade. did. He was traded out of Los Angeles. The Kings went on to win the Stanley Cup. Smith got what he wanted. The Kings got what they wanted. It was a win-win trade. <laughs> hey, uh, DB, moving yeah. on though. <laughs> There's no wow. way to easy transition out of Ryan Smith crying. No, no. Um, <laughs> is the puck juiced? This is another yes. preposterous thing that I've been seeing yes. lately. It is juiced. It's a, there's a Super Bowl inside the puck. Okay. <laughs> Like the, the the laces on the on the baseballs this uh, yeah, year. Yeah, well, the, the baseball one is at least interesting to me. But what Fox is like putting chips in these things to make them? How do you yeah. juice a puck? I don't. You know, I don't know. I'm sure there's some scientists we need to have on the show that can tell different us. vulcanized rubber, John. Yeah. Okay. It's from the rubber tree plant in Mexico as opposed to Guatemala. I think that's the difference. So. Have you ever read, or, or are you aware, by the way, yeah. speaking of baseballs, about this guy off the coast of Jersey or whatever? He's the one that has the special mud. No. I think they did an E60 on this guy. You should look into it. It is a fascinating. There is literally one guy yeah. that supplies all of the mud for every major league team, and he's like second generation guy, and he's passing it on to his daughter now. What did he do with the mud? They, they rubbed the baseballs with the mud. Oh, really? The okay, before yeah, the game. And it's breaking they, the balls. They okay. can it in like old coffee cans. It is not a sophisticated operation, even in up. 2019. Yeah, you should go and watch it. Are Absolutely. they putting the pucks in the mud down there? Maybe they DJ. are. Maybe, maybe somebody found some mud, or maybe they're importing the mud from Sweden or something, and they're doing, <laughs> I don't know, they're mud. Uh, uh, juicing the pucks somehow. I don't know. They're importing it from Mexico, for all I know. <laughs> um, look, there are some interesting teams that are coming here to uh, L.A. on this, this week, uh, yep. homestand. Got that right this time, not the road stand, the homestand. <laughs> I'll get to them in just a minute, DB, but first I have to talk about the two trendy teams Coming into the season that everybody was hyping. Me too. Well, I'm on the Dallas train. I, I predicted oh. them for the Stanley Cup, which you... I got a um, comment about Dallas, but go ahead. So Dallas Stars, New Jersey Devils, two of the real trendy teams. Colorado would have been the third team, but they're doing fine. But man, right. New Jersey and Dallas are off to a brutal start to the season. Well, you know, Jack uses a bust, right? He's done. He's, he's he hasn't not, scored yet hasn't at scored. the time of this recording. No, Catho did, of course. But. He's, a, he's, he's, a, he's the third center. Look, they put together a, a, a. They added a lot of talent. They got they they lucked into Jack. 
Um, they board in PK. Wayne they board in the Wayne train, right? Um, the expectations really were really, really high. But, John, when you look at their defense and you look at their goaltending, I mean, you know, John the Quick had a better start. He might be in New Jersey already because Mackenzie Blackwood and Corey Schneider have not been doing the job. They've been overrun. Um, they did not play well in Boston on Saturday night. They are struggling. They're looking for answers there. Um, they want my pick because, they again, I just think that they're probably two seasons away. Um, I like the additions. I think it's a, a more colorful team um, with respect to the additions they made. And be, I think two or three years from now, John, that Ranger Devil rivalry is going to be off the hook. It's going to be back to where it was back in the in the mid-'90s when uh, uh, Mateau scored that goal in the Stanley Cup final when they won their cup for the first time in a, in a long time. You uh, mentioned but, Mateau instead of mentioning Mark Messier in that, in that particular yeah, series. Mateau, wow. Mateau. Okay. I remember that. It was, I was a Devil's fan back then. You so. said they have questions. I have questions. Mackenzie Blackwood. What kind of a name is that? That is not a <laughs> hockey name. Mackenzie Blackwood, to me, feels like someone that should be playing soccer in the MLS or something. It doesn't On a reality show? It could be that, too. It just yeah. doesn't, yeah. It's just the goaltending isn't what it needs to be, and it's been very, very frustrating because the expectations were currently going much higher. And the big issue here now is do you give Taylor, Taylor Hall $11 yeah. million a year? This is what he wants. I can't see Taylor Hall leaving that team. I, I just can't. You can't? No. I can. You can you? Yeah. Yeah. Because he would have been signed by now, John. What's, what's the wait? Um, and now the team's losing, so like there's less of a reason. Now the thing is, if they want to pony up, give him eight, uh, 11 for over 8, then fine, then he's going to stay. They, mm-hmm. they have to pay him top dollar to stay. And, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I, don't, I think he would have been signed by now. If he really wanted to stay, if this was his first spot, I think he's just waiting his time. He's being patient, and he's allowed to be patient, John. But I, I think there's part of him that um, uh, wouldn't mind going playing somewhere else. I meant more from an organizational standpoint. I, don't, I can't see them letting him leave is really where I was going with that. No, they have to trade him. They, they, yeah. they have to trade him. If, well, if you can't get him signed, you have to move If they him. start 2-7-1 and one or 3-10-2, and two, then trade him for four assets or three assets and, and move on. You have to because yeah. you can't. You can't. I mean, you look just nearby yeah. with the Islanders and yep. getting nothing for Tavares. You yeah. just can't. And they made a good do, deal bringing in Gusa from from Vegas, but they if they're losing with him, John. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would just greater good, big picture, move him out, get three assets, and then move on. Dallas Stars. Uh, yeah. Look, there's a lot of talent there. Um, they're going to have to get going. Uh, I'm concerned about Jamie Ben. What did Jamie have last year in the fifties? He did not have – that's the one concern about that team. I think Tyler Sagan will be fine. The defense is really good. Ben Bishop will be one of the top goal attenders in the year. Watch Jamie Ben's game this year. He needs to go back to the point of game player that he was two seasons ago. He can't have a repeat performance of last season. And despite that, John, they were one goal away from beating St. Louis and, and getting to the, the Western were, Conference. Yeah. So, um, But, yeah, they got to get going. And, look, Joe Pavelski has to acclimate to this team. It's a new system. Corey Perry, when he comes back, will help this team. But um, they're struggling right now. I think the top of the, guy, the the main guy who's struggling right now is Jamie Benn. Yeah, you mentioned goal, uh, uh, goaltenders and Ben Bishop just real quickly. Nice to see Tuka Rask. He's back uh, yep. having some strong numbers here in the first part of the season. Good to see for the Boston Bruins. Yeah, Boston's well. been fantastic goaltending-wise. I mean, both Halak and, and uh, Tuka Rask have been great. And look, same team. Now Z's, what, 67 years old? It's great. It's great to see that he's plant-based, John. Like, I, I'm never going to have a plant-based diet. I will, I will tell you. Double-double every time I, over plant-based. You know what, plant though? Based. I have tried the plant-based, the Beyond Meat oh, taco, really? uh, uh, soft tacos from yeah. Del Taco. They're not bad. Okay. And the Beyond Meat burger, burger from Carl's Jr. is, is pretty good John, as well. John, you can have mine. But I did have a double-double today. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going plant-based. I'm sorry. If I want a plant-based, I'm going to eat like a cucumber. It's not a... It's, uh, you know, I do want to get to the Carolina-Buffalo yeah. uh, Calgary games yes. that are coming up here. But what about Winnipeg, though? I didn't have them on my list. But, I mean, they're really holding out just fine. 
can uh, all things considered with what with what that roster looked like coming in on opening night. Yeah, look, they had to trade Jacob Truba, but Neil Pionk's been really good for them. Um, um, Neil Pionk that the Kings were, were in on, and yeah. they were close to signing. They, they, yeah, they're close, guy. yeah. He, good. But they got run out by Pittsburgh tonight, Sunday night, uh, um, 7-2. So they're, they're going to have their, their challenges defensively because they're going to miss Truba. They're going to miss Tyler Myers. Buff, who knows what's going to go on with his life, what he makes the decision to come back after maybe 20 games or something like that. So Shifley's doing his thing, though, and the goaltending's yeah, holding. So. They're going to score goals. And look, here's the thing. For them to be in the mix on the playoffs, and now because of those defensive losses they've had, yeah, they're going to have to do it offensively, and they're going to need a 925. They're going to need the Connor Hellebuck from two seasons ago, not the guy from last year. The guy from two seasons ago who was in the vestment of the conversation, they need 925, 927 performance. If they can get that, they'll hang around. It's still going to be very, very difficult division um, and a tough conference. So uh, right now, the way I would handicap Winnipeg is probably like ninth or tenth at this point in time, but like there are teams that are really struggling. Like, you want to bring up like Minnesota looks lost. They, well, Minnesota, yeah. I think, is a really interesting case because you have yeah. Bill Guerin, who's now in there as the yep. general manager, and and you know Mike Bonanno is the special assistant to the president of the vice right. president of the owner oh, of yes. the secretary's, you know, whatever yeah. consultants, uh, consulting services. All these consultants. Uh, but then you, you know you talk about Bruce Boudreau as the coach, and that's yeah. not their guys. And so you Man, have to no, wonder, he's in jeopardy. He's, he's definitely in jeopardy. He, he, I he's mean, on the I don't hot know what seat. the odds are for him to be the first coach to be fired. But yep. if I was laying down a couple of bills, that's who I would be putting some money on right now. For sure, Bruce Boudreau at this point with, with what he's getting out of that team can't. Be long for the job. John, I've said this forever about that team, Minnesota. They are a nice team. They scare no one, and nobody avoids them in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have to line up a team, like, who do you want to play in the first round? Minnesota. They're smart. They skate well. They don't beat themselves, but they don't scare anybody, John. Mm-hmm. And now uh, Parisi's 35. I think Koivu's 36. This is a team that at the end of the day, could be challenging teams like L.A. for the bottom of the, the, the conference, to well, be honest Well, looked like he was going to be part of their future, and then, yep. you know, he's, we saw him here yesterday <laughs> playing for Nashville. Yeah, it's, it's not a good situation in Minnesota at all. So, uh, Carolina coming in here on Tuesday night to Staples Center, followed by Buffalo on Thursday, Calgary on Saturday. We all know that Calgary is going to steal the headlines this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, even though that Drew Doughty wants to put that behind them, it just it's not going to end. It's not the going me- behind them. The media can't resist. It's so going to be way out front. It's not going to be, be a lot of them. talk. So uh, let's let's give Carolina and Buffalo some attention. Carolina, it was a team that I did not like going into the playoffs last year. They still yep. managed to cobble some series together and go as far as they did. Um, and then they're coming right back, and they're they're on top of the world again here in the early They've part been of the season. Fantastic, is Carolina John. for real. I mean, this is Dougie Hamilton and, and the Carolina Hurricanes. They're yeah, for real? they're for real because Dougie Hamilton's playing great. He's playing like Norris Trophy level, and again, it's small sample size, and we'll use that term for another two weeks, and then we'll lose it. Um, he's been great, um, and it's funny because Sebastian Ano hasn't done anything for that team. It's been Tara Vine, and it's been the uh, it's been their defense. Um, John, here's the thing with this team, though. Look. look they, and I agree. I thought they'd take a step back. They're playing really solid. Um, they're playing together. Rob Moore is a fantastic coach. Whatever he's telling that team, it's resonated with them for now two seasons. You thought they'd miss Justin Williams coming out of the box. They don't. And maybe he comes back. Maybe he's just starting what to do. Part of that issue is that they just don't have the capital to pay Justin what he wants. So I'm sure if they're going to pay him three and a half, four million dollars a year, which they can't, he'd be playing right now. That's my belief, right? So, but I, I think they're a really good team. They skate very well. They're smart. Um, they, Jake Gardner's fit very, very well. So they've made all the right moves here. So Jake Gardner, that's what it's come down to now. Jake Gardner. Jake Gardner's winning them games. Okay. It's as simple as that. I mean, right. you know, so they they have a lot of depth. Um, and if Sebastian Arm gets going, they're going to roll. But they're an exciting, good team and. They just have all – look, John, they're not 
Tampa Bay talented, mm-hmm. but they play as a team. They have all they've built off. You know, talking about building off success. This team built off the success of that playoff run last year, and then when they played Washington early on, they beat them again. So they're not afraid of Washington, and Washington still should be a big player in this. And it's the last going on for Washington with their free agents with Holby and and Backstrom. But I like what Carolina's done. They're going to be an entertaining team, and that's a, a nice measuring stick for the Kings when they come in here because that's a team that's got their stuff together, and it's going to be a very dangerous team all season. And then on Thursday, you're talking about Buffalo, and you have Ralph Kruger, and again another team with with a new coach, yep. uh, like the LA Kings here. So uh, you know neither coach is is a rookie coach, no, nope. uh, just new to their teams with Todd McClellan and Ralph Kruger. Um, I don't know if you heard the story db but allegedly what he did prior to taking the job or around the time that he was talking to them is he went around the city of buffalo because it's a very passionate fan base yeah, oh he yeah went to some local bars <laughs> and, did some stuff, and he um went sort of incognito and talked to the fans about really what what players do you like who do you not like what's been working what's mm-hmm. not been working and really got a sense from outside the the organization the management bubble of the buffalo mm-hmm. sabers and there are some really smart hockey fans in in every market yep. buffalo included and he wanted to really absorb that and take yeah. all of that in as, as he was taking over this team or prior to taking the job. I thought that was a really unconventional and unique approach as pretty much everything Ralph Kruger does yeah. is. Well, you know, he was, he was running Sunderland in the Premier League for years. He was away from the NHL for years, and they brought him back in. So you're going to get he different options. He also coached optics. at Edmonton, so he was away from the NHL yeah, for years. Exactly. In the- oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he did Team Europe. Right, well, did a great job. Claim from yeah, claim to fame was Team Europe. World Cup, Kopitar. Was so part yeah, of that. so he's going to have different optics and different different view, and I think that they wanted really different. They got it right. And look, full disclosure, I hate predictions. So what were my predictions coming into early season? My two sleepers were Florida and Dallas. They fell on their face, and I picked at, at TFP. We all did our selections. I picked the last place team in the league was Buffalo. And they're what four and one. I mean, they've they've gotten. I picked all, Edmonton as my. Oh, Edmonton, they would be terrible, worse. and they're five and zero. Oh, so you know. <laughs> no, all they've gotten good scoring from Olafson. Um, the, the the question is, is Allmark and Carter Hunt going to be the goaltending that can get them to the playoffs? I still don't believe so. And this is a team they fooled us last year, John. Remember November? They were leading the league. Yes. And they fell out of the sky, and that I think that's my they lost concern. Lost ten straight games or something. Yeah, exactly. That's my concern is that after Jack Eichel and uh, Jeff Skinner, are they going to have enough scoring up front? Kyle Posa looks better. Um, he's been playing better in the first couple of games this season. I just think over the long term, I think this team is still going to be challenged to get depth scoring, and I don't think the goaltending is going to hold up. So good start. Um, you know, they're probably hitting the Kings at the right time at this point in time, but it's the first time they're going to be on the road. So, yeah, Buffalo could be an entertaining team. And then Saturday night, the marquee event, game five of the five-game homestand. The Calgary Flames are coming in. Everybody knows what happens up in the Saddle Dome. Uh, with, with, with Dowdy and the overtime winner and Kachuk having two goals, including the, 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 the game-tying yep. goal late in the game. Somewhat disputed goal, Rivalry. at least on Twitter. <laughs> Love it. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> look, I, I, to me, if Tom Webster's not behind the bench and throwing sticks, I'm just not overly excited about a, a feud between the, the Calgary Flames and the You're not? And the LA. Eh, you don't like this? It's interesting to me. Um, I don't know why. I'm just not that fascinated by it. I, I for some reason it just doesn't resonate with well, me. Well, let me ask you and a question. Normally I like this kind of stuff, but for some reason this one particular rivalry, it's just not doing it for Do me. Do you think this get any more juice if Kachuk scores the game-winning goal in overtime and bangs the glass and motions to the Here? Kings fans? Oh yeah, I mean that would be the ultimate ret- uh, retribution, right? So if he does that, then that would be fantastic, and then maybe I would get more into it or something. I don't know. Um, 
Calgary, just, it's a Calgary thing. They don't excite you. I, I, you know what it is, though? It's, I just, when I think of Calgary Flames, LA Kings, I mean, there rivalry. Is no, there was no history, right? Well, there was a history in the early 90s, yeah, when uh, Tom Webster was 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 fighting Dougie Gilmore, and, <laughs> um, you know, he's throwing sticks from the bench. And, yeah. uh, I mean, there were some great things that happened okay. back then when Calgary was good way back years in ago. the day. It was a long time ago, I know, okay. so... Maybe that's the problem. There's no juice in the rod. There's no history there. They haven't played in the playoffs. They, well, they also don't play enough, too, I guess, you know. So, um, yeah, they haven't played in the playoffs. But, boy, that'd be, you know, put the Kings and the Flames well, in the look, playoffs next year and maybe. Vegas and Kings playing in the playoffs. They already got juice in this, this rivalry. You know what? It is something funny. You're going to laugh yeah, when I tell you this. I just don't get into the whole Vegas-LA rivalry. No. Really? No. Um, I don't know why. I, fans, I know they love well, it. So they they tweet me all the time. Okay, I don't know. But, but you get into the San Jose-LA. Yeah, I think that LA, San Jose, but that's also a whole no-cal, so-cal thing. No-cal. And that's the Giants, Dodgers. I mean, there's okay. a lot okay, of Okay, there's more there. juice there. Okay. Yeah. okay. There's the, Ducks, the Ducks and the Kings is still a good one. I, it means more to the fans than it does to the players. Yeah. When, I mean, you know this. When yes. you talk to Dowdy and Kopey and all those guys, they're, they're more into the rivalry with San Jose yeah, than, they, than they ever have been with the rivalry against Anaheim. Right. Outside of Jeff Carter squirting water in, uh, in Corey Perry's <laughs> gloves and some things like that. But, you know... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a California thing. I'm not sure. Okay. The rivalry with the Coyotes was pretty good. The Coyotes were never a big, dominant team like the Sharks. But, man, Shane Doan and, and Mike Smith that, and that, that, for had what that, ju- that had some juice there for a couple years. And that, that five-game playoff yeah, series is what it was. There was a lot of hatred for a five-game series. Was. This wasn't like bitter seven <laughs> games. The Kings dispatched them. Hey. And, and you remember the, the – uh, I don't know who scored the goal from the, from the blue line. The defenseman on, on quick – it bounced oh, 53, Derek Morris. Derek Morris, yes. yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of hatred in that <laughs> in was. that in that series. And then the Kings Canucks, there was a good rivalry there. Oh yeah, 2010 Absol- sort yep. of forward. So oh yeah. I don't know. I'm just uh, look. Rivalries are great. I love a good rivalry. I guess I'm just not buying into yet the Vegas one. Um, the playoff series, four games. It didn't go long enough, really. And uh, so you're not buying the Vegas rivalry. You're no. not buying Calgary. I mean, it is a rivalry. But it's just not one that gets me going in particular at this moment in time. So okay. give it give it some time. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get into it. Uh, but, DB, that's going to bring a wrap to the second period. We'll be back third period with more L.A. Kings talk here on Kings of the Podcast. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the mayor. DB, we're back for the third period. We're going to recenter everything now back on the LA Kings here for the final period. Yep. It's been an outstanding show so far. We still have a lot to cover. Let's talk. Everybody wants to know. They tweet us. They ask about it. The Jeff Solomon update. You know, I have some breaking news, John. Um, we've created a little cottage industry for Jeff Solomon, I think, as a, um, as a personality. He's, he was the man behind the curtain. He was the almighty Oz. And now we've, we've kind of thrown open that curtain and people know about Jeff Solomon. So I'm sitting very innocently eating dinner in the press room, sitting with uh, Dave Joseph. Jeff Solomon strolls up to me. I'm like, okay, this has never happened before. Ever. <laughs> You're always on that phone. Like, you, you don't even see people walk by after games. You're always on that phone. I'm like, yeah, Jeff, you're always in that briefcase, so we're even. <laughs> and he starts going, well, you know, I, I need to know what's in that phone. I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Unless you tell me what's in that briefcase. And then he suggested a trade. Uh oh. Trading conditions or is it straight up? No, it was a straight up trade, John. It was for information what I'm looking at my phone for what's in the briefcase. He offered that up to us. You might have to make that trade. I I, I definitely want to make that trade. (laughs) I suggested it was possibly um, um, Ron Hextall's contract, but he says it's 
probably way too small to fit in that briefcase. So it's probably not that. Probably would fit in an Inkstex card. But <laughs> but Jeff Solomon has, has come out of his shell, so to speak. He's he's come out from on the hurt, and now he he's willing to offer up the contents of the briefcase. So John, maybe. You know, like when LeBron James did the uh, unveiling and he decided to take his talent to South Beach, maybe we should do like a 30-minute Fox Sports West special. Okay. At that point in time, open up Jeff Solomon's briefcase. I think we could sell that to the, to the team to do that. I think there's that much clamoring about what's in that briefcase, and certainly Jeff is cooperating with us now. He is. He likes the, you know what? He likes the celebrity. Yeah. I think he likes that. I, I'm not sure if I'll go that far with it, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I, two footnotes to that, Please. Uh, or tangential uh, comments. One is that Ron Hextall, that you just mentioned, he's been here this weekend. Yes. He's looking trim and slim. Uh, the goatee was, was rather uh, you know, shaved off, and, yeah. and, and he wasn't uh, looking as much like the old Hextall. And I, it must be haircut week around the L.A. Kings. <laughs> Jared Stoll has a, yeah. has a new buzz cut. He has that thing going yeah. on. Um, Todd McClellan, post game, I saw yep. him. He has the, the, the fresh, fresh cut. cut. Yep. So coming home Floyd after a road Barber, trip, you know, uh, hit, Floyd's barbershop. Yeah, head up uh, TSC. Maybe has like a mobile <laughs> van or something. Swung by the practice facility and, and gave everybody a, a nice shave and a, and a haircut. You know, uh, the players are happy to see Hextall back. Uh, I was outside well, the locker room. He's a great yeah, guy. Well, yeah, well, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> But uh, Dustin Brownson, something there, DB? No, I just had a problem with he was, No, never. But you know, he's not the most warm. He's not a welcoming, warm and fuzzy guy. No, no he's not no, a warm no. and fuzzy guy. Just but look at the picture of him holding. I'll send it to you later. Yeah. Um, the Indeen We Trust T-shirts that we oh, yeah. put out like ten years ago. Uh, there's a picture of Hextall holding one. Um, Couldn't be bothered. Great conversation. It's classic Hexy. Great conversation. No problem. Everything's fine. Uh, we're gonna get the picture for the promo and on cue. It is the 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 meanest stone faced yeah stone faced uh, look that you could get. It was classic. So anyway, yeah. So the players are happy. Yeah, uh, Dustin Brown came out of the locker room, big uh, hexy, a big hug when on after the uh, Nashville game. So yeah, so he's he's welcome back with open arms. Uh, the other comment that was uh, somewhat related to that is Sully's son, who we mentioned a few episodes yes. ago, is now doing some agent work with Octagon, which is uh, Alan Walsh's organization. Yep. I saw the younger Sully in Ontario um, after the game the other night. And it was funny because we were having some, you know, just small talk. Yeah. And, uh, they rep uh, Martin Furk and, and a couple of other players sure. that were in the game. And so he's there checking in on his guys. And, you know, we're waiting to do some post-game interviews and whatnot. And it's a small area, so we're kind of standing together. And I eventually was going to get to the briefcase after we had the small talk. Mm -hmm. And right at the end of the small talk, then I get the signal. Come on, let's go back. We're going to do the quotes with oh, Stuthers. Yeah. <laughs> and so 30 seconds away from... Uh, Maybe, maybe uh, leaning on the younger Sully to give us some scoop. Well, on we we the, dug the we dug Sully. deep tonight, John. We 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 drew. You know what? It, it was it's kind fine. of like we shot those flares yeah. to draw them out, and okay. we draw them out. And okay. Now he's taking friendly fire. All right. <laughs> uh, press conference. Transitioning to the next topic here. There was a press conference this week in Colorado. Um, I do find it. I don't know why. I find these kind of things funny. That the 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 game at Air Force Academy is sponsored by the <laughs> Navy. I don't. It's just funny to me. I don't Navy know. Federal Credit Navy Union. Federal Credit Union at Air Force Academy Stadium. Because they wrote know. the check, John. Let's I know, go. I know. I know. It just it's it's. Just <laughs> I know. Funny. It's ironic. It's it's, it's just you know. Uh, but yeah, you know that game is coming. Uh, Luke Robitaille, the president of the LA Kings, was there to represent the Kings, and uh, you had several other uh, you know uh, dignitaries that yep. were there. Uh, and ooh, I don't know. Um, I was excited to go. Yeah. Another outdoor game, but yep. then some of the pictures with all the snow, you know, the reality <laughs> was starting to hit. It's going to be pretty damn cold, DB. Not only that, Jay, but um, I think it's all bench seating in that in that stadium, Falcon Stadium. Even for media? Um, no, probably not. <laughs> okay. But you know, 
you know, if, if PJ comes, if the if the missus comes, and I might have to sit with her. You know, there's a whole there's a whole staging that has to go on these yes, outdoor events. Yes. But that that's but that that setting that backdrop is going to be spectacular if we get good weather. But I agree with you. It could. I mean, it's Colorado. It could be 65 degrees in February. Yeah. It could be 17 degrees. I looked up the weather and it said that on average they have eight days of snow in February. So, you know, yeah. if, if you figure that February the 28 days, it's 20 days of non-snow, eight days yeah. of snow. So if you, it also depends what are you hoping to get out of an outdoor game. So if you right. want that picturesque scene, yeah, then you sort of want Colorado that. Colorado Springs is beautiful. I will say this. I went to the outdoor game, uh, what I've been to four or five of them now, and I went to the outdoor game in Buffalo. I think I mentioned this a couple shows ago, and it was one of the coldest times I've ever yes, been in my I life. Remember. Snow yeah. was going, Canada, USA. I thought it was phenomenal. Yep. Uh, the outdoor game in a baseball stadium, I've tweeted this many times, is a totally different experience Agreed. than an outdoor game in a football stadium. Football 100%. versus baseball. Hockey, because of the shape of the, the rink, it fits so much better in a football stadium oh, yeah. than it does in a baseball stadium. It, it doesn't so the fit in a baseball Ridley, The games at Dodger Stadium, the games at Fenway, they're high, iconic historic parks. But when you see an outdoor game in a football stadium, it's a more pleasurable experience. I, and I couldn't agree with you more, John. I was at uh, Fenway Park in 2010 when Flowers played Boston. Like, um, now, look, we're media. We go behind the scenes. We got a tour inside the Green Monster. And so here's my day. Like, Green Monster, and then to start the game, well, that was the Saturday before. The next day, the B-1 bomber flies over for the national anthem. I was done. I didn't have to see the game. Because, it, John, what you're, what you're doing, what fans don't understand is a lot of the, when you see the baseball season, that's history. Mm-hmm. So when, like, when the Kings, like, I did it. When the Kings played at Dodger Stadium. Um, I saw that game. I got on a plane. You hung out, saw the kiss and the whole thing, and Fantastic. got on, on the. Yeah, you had to find. It. I was on a plane to New York, and I went to see the game at Yankee Stadium, because that's history, John. You're, you're, you're paying for history yes. to, to experience those things that's never gonna. That's rarely gonna happen. Not me say never gonna happen again, but that. And I agree. So that's the difference. To me, it's more historical perspective. See a hockey and really feel. It's not. It's not. The sight lines aren't there, but for a football right. stadium, I couldn't agree with you more. That's a better staging site for hockey games. But it is an event. You're right, DB, and I've had to, I've had to say this many, many times. I've had some people say, "I've been to one outdoor game. That's enough for me." No, it's not because every yeah. outdoor game is unique and different. Totally, an outdoor game in the Big House, an outdoor game in Fenway, an outdoor game in Wrigley, an outdoor game at Dodger Stadium. You're telling me that when the outdoor game is in LA in a couple of years and they're going to play at the new Ram Stadium. You're telling me that you're not going to go to the yeah. game because you had a poor experience at Dodger Stadium? No. Everybody's going to be there. The game's going to be sold out. It's going to be phenomenal. And the big picture is that, that people in Michigan don't give a crap about the next Kings Ducks. It, it's for this market. It is for this market. And, there's going to, and people that think it's going to go away, there's an insatiable thirst for these outdoor games for the markets that never had them. Like the Winter Classic is going to be the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. These are really fun games if it's staged right. Like, we had a black. I mean, the game wasn't great, but Ducks-Kings was amazing. Are you kidding me? A sold-out Dodger Stadium, Ducks and Kings playing. Doing an outdoor hockey game Come at Dodger on. Stadium. Fantastic. you got to go. Like, like, you're not a fan if you don't go. So, I, I, get, I get that. I understand <laughs> Oh, you're going to use that card now. Yeah, no. You, you, what you, about the home-and-home home with Vegas? So, you talk about a rivalry. You're yeah. going to do the home outdoor game potentially against Vegas at yeah. the new football stadium there. And then the following year... A game against the Kings in Vegas in Raiders uh, Stadium. No, in in the Ram Stadium. Oh, oh Raiders Ram there, then Ram yeah. Stadium the, here. So or Charger Stadium. Fantastic. Depending how you want to look Come at it. So, well, they have to announce it together though that it's a home and home. That would be they great. They can't just announce the one and then, and then the next year. Now, if so much more do juice. That, you, you you have to announce that it. Now that's adding new new flavor to the outdoor experience. I love to it. know it would be a home and home series. That's getting ahead of us. Let's, let's let's move on. We still have to play the game in Colorado. The Navy Federal Credit Union game at Air Force Stadium, where the <laughs> Marines and Coast Guard will also be present. It's going to be phenomenal. The Commander in Chief Bowl. It's going to be it's going to be great. 
Um, DB, the future of the LA Kings is so heavily tied to what happens with the Ontario Reign. Um, they're off to a start, a, a decent start this year as well. They were two and zero the first weekend. Um, they've had a little bit of a rougher start this this weekend. Uh, they gave gave away uh, g- the game Friday night. They had a, a multiple goal lead. Uh, they came back and and lost the game in overtime, and then a disaster of a game yesterday. Um, and the defense there is a work in progress because there are so many guys there. They had nine defensemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had some injuries, though. It's still a work in progress. So many young guys turning pro. But I want to talk about three players sure. that Kings fans should be really honing in on from, from a rain perspective. First of all, Cal Peterson, the heir apparent to Jonathan Quick here uh, in, in Los Angeles. Right. He was the AHL Player of the Week. Coach Mike Stuthers said to me that the two opening games, the back-to-back games, where he basically mm-hmm. stood on his head and saved everything, that might have been the best two-game performance by a goaltender that he's ever seen in his career. Really? Now, you have to remember, Mike Stuthers was a first-round draft pick of the Philadelphia Flyers many, many decades ago. Mm-hmm. This guy was a coach in the WHL. He's been a coach in the OHL. He was the coach of the year there. He won a Calder Cup with the Manchester Monarchs. Right. This guy is, is a lifer in the world of hockey. And to be able to say that that's the best two-game performance he's seen from a goaltender was phenomenal. I have to tell you, I wasn't at the game in Baco. I was there opening night, though. Peterson stood on his head, and he was fantastic. Uh, Cal is the real deal. Yeah. Kings fans fortunately got to see a little bit of him last year, but get out there and see Cal Peterson. Uh, per Corkin, been getting a yes. lot of questions about him. A lot of questions. I will say this. November 1st is sort of the, the rough uh, date of when he will be uh, have to make a decision. The Kings will have to make a decision. Does he go back and play in the, in the KHL, or does he stick it out with the American mm-hmm. League and or come up to the Kings? I just don't think that he's long for this team. Blake Lazat's played phenomenal. Uh, he's sort of solidified that roster spot from a center perspective here yeah, in LA. Yeah, where would you put him, John? I don't think that Perkorkin, based upon his play, it's early days, it's four games in. I get all of that, everybody, but I just haven't seen enough from Perkorkin. I can actually think of the games that I've seen and I've watched pretty heavily, I can think of one play where I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Everything else... He's basically, I don't want to say been invisible, but he's not Pedestrian. been a key factor right. towards, towards what's going on there. So, And how about this one with Perkorkin? He played just over two and a half minutes in uh, game or period one on Friday night. Didn't make a lot of sense. He played more min- his traditional minutes in the second and third period. And when I asked Stuthers about it after the game, uh, I said, hey, what, you know, the two and a half minutes, was there a reason? Was something going on? Whatever. And Stutz uh, just kind of looked and said, hmm, I guess I forgot to call his name. <laughs> well, he's no. That, Stutz doesn't forget anything. No, no. He doesn't. He remembers every single thing. No. So um, I just don't think Perkorkin is long for this world. Maybe he'll ramp it up here in the next couple of weeks. But there is a. So he's going back to the case. There's about a 30 day window that they had agreed to with his yeah. uh, European assignment clause, as I understand mm-hmm. things. So yeah, around November 1st, there's a decision looming, and I think at this point he would be going back to the uh, back to the KHL. And hey, the Kings finally got him over here. He was drafted in 2012. They gave him a full shot. shot. It didn't work. Okay. Um, and then the last one I want to talk about is Mikey Anderson. Sure. I know that you've heard me talk about this kid before. Mikey Your Anderson, favorite. future John captain of the LA Kings. Mayor's favorites. Let's Look, go. Here's the thing. Not just my favorite. Mike Stuthers has really taken a liking to this really? guy. This weekend. So they give up the um, they give up a three goal lead, two or three goal lead on Friday night. Mikey Anderson scores his first professional goal. They lost. It's game three of the year, right? right. You're going to lo- lose games, and if you lose game three of the year, you're not supposed to be that upset. You sure. would have thought they just lost game seven of the Stanley Cup <laughs> final. Mikey Anderson was not happy. He didn't want to talk about the fact that he scored his first goal. He, When it was asked about it, he quickly reverted back to the fact that the team has to be better. Right. He talked about team play, defense, and he basically called out his teammates in a very polite way and saying, we have, we have to figure this out inside the locker room. He wasn't even putting it on the coaches. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, 
we have to look each other in the mirror. We have to figure out what's going on. We have to be better. We have to harden up. We have to learn how to close these games out. He referenced back to game two. Game two, they lost. They went into the third period with a lead. So they lost a lead in the third period in Baco. They lost a lead in game three. And he's basically saying, this is two games in a row now and enough is enough. So this guy just oozes leadership. And when I asked uh, Stutz about it after the game, he had nothing but praise, talked, called him a winner, talked about him being a leader, talked about him uh, just, you know, the ultimate competitor, just praise after praise after That's praise. Great. That's great to Mikey hear. Anderson, you want to get out there and you want to watch this guy. And I will tell you just a little funny story, DB. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting in the press box last night. Um, after going to the game here, I went to the game there. I, they were getting trounced. You know, it was like six to nothing or something at that point. And... Uh, one of the one of the members of King's uh, management was sitting there next to me by random chance, and um, he's like, you know, I, I know that you you know you really follow the team's prospects and whatnot, and you know you keep a close eye on these guys. There's so many new guys here in Ontario this year. Is there any one guy that you're, you know, uh, sort of more interested in than, than the other ones? And uh, I said, it's Mikey Anderson, man. I just I love this kid, Mikey, and I told the story about the night before and blah blah blah. Literally 30 seconds after we stopped talking, Mikey Anderson scored the goal again, and it was the first goal of the game. <laughs> Uh, for, for for the rain, first goal right. of the game for the rain, and it was just perfect timing. It couldn't have been. It was like Mikey heard me, and he just exclamation point, <laughs> Mikey Anderson. So get out there and watch him. Uh, one more prospect to tell you about DB, sure, and that would be Alex Turcott. Everybody wants to know what's going on oh, with yeah. him. Played in Wisconsin, uh, opened up the season. They were at Boston College. What a phenomenal game! People saw my tweets. I'm sure this game had six first round draft picks, Whoa. three on each side. There are only five other first round draft picks. In all of college hockey this year, <laughs> six of them were in this particular game. Uh, it was just, it was fantastic on paper going in. I think there were 21 NHL draft picks in wow. total in this game. And Dylan Holloway, who is expected to go in the first round mm -hmm. this year, was on Boston College. He scored his first goal um, on the, in the Saturday night game. But anyway, Turcott, um, two goals in his first game. A little bit overshadowed, though. Cole Caulfield, Caulfield. became the first player in Wisconsin history to score two goals in his first each of his first two games. He had four goals. Yeah, multiple goals. Yeah, multiple in, goals. In two games. It's just crazy. Uh, but yeah, Turcotte and Caulfield really look like they're going to uh, be able to drive things offensively. And you may remember from our previous episode, I said that the voters are going to sleep on Wisconsin because they typically yep. don't like younger teams. Right. But man, keep an eye on Bundles Wisconsin. They're going to, and the, the new uh, rankings come out every Monday. So the college hockey rankings, very curious to see where Wisconsin ends up in the rankings. That's what's going on. Um, that's what's going on with some of the prospects. Any any of the uh, any of the younger players uh, that you're most interested in hearing more about as we move along through the uh, through the podcast and future episodes? No, John, you're the rain expert. Make it rain. Mayor's going to make it rain. We, we definitely will, though. DB, this has been a fantastic episode. I think we've covered the Kings organization from top to bottom, from Jeff Solomon's briefcase uh, through the Ontario rain, all the way up to Jonathan Quick's performance in net. It's uh, It's been a wild one. And DB, with three more games left here on the homestand, we'll uh, we'll be back with another episode of Kings of the Podcast and, and give the fans more to chew on. And fans, thanks for the support. Uh, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Apple Podcasts. Episode 8. Probably, what, another week or so, John? At this rate, DB, because therapy is needed and rehab is needed, uh, we're going to have to come back probably in 24 hours with another episode <laughs> just to keep the waters After calm. Tuesday night's game, yeah. talk to you soon.
Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too, and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Get started on your undergraduate degree or certificate with University of Maryland Global Campus. Classes start March 17th. With virtual support services and no-cost digital materials replacing textbooks for most courses, UMGC can help you achieve your goals. Visit umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV.